everyone, and welcome to the Aplastic Anemia and MDS International Foundation continuing podcast series. We're coming to you today thanks to generous support from individuals, donors, and our corporate partners, including Celgene. My name is Tricia, and today we're chatting with Brian Anderson. Welcome, Brian. Hi, thank you, Tricia, for having me. I was very eager to talk with you today. I wanted to just um, walk you through your patient journey, and I'm sure that your insight and your experience will give hope and information and the power to advocate for themselves to all the patients who listen to this episode of the podcast series. I sincerely hope that's a, that that is true. Yes, <laughs> that would be exciting. Let's go back in time to uh, before your diagnosis. Were you having any interesting symptoms that would make you think that you had an issue? Honestly, I was not. I, I was um, I, I was asymptomatic. I was running. I was enjoying life. Um, and it was only by chance. I was coming up on um, 50 and I decided that, well, I need to go and see my, my primary care doctor and check in and make sure that I'm okay. And he did a routine test and, and that's, when, that's when it started. So I really had no issues, was not thinking at all that there was, there was, a, there was a problem in my bone marrow. So he did a blood test. Is that what caused the alarm bells to go off? It was. It was a routine CBC, uh, and I got a call a couple days later, and he asked me to come back into the office. I went back. He re- ran the test again, and then from there suggested that I go see a hematology specialist, uh, part of the same practice, and then she took it from there and, and, and did a bone marrow. So it was from that bone marrow that things started, but it still took a long time, and, I, and I'd say a couple of years before they actually diagnosed me. Oh, really? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so the test results were not significant enough in one way or another for a diagnosis? No, it wasn't. So I had, um, I had mild anemia. My platelets were relatively low. They were in the 90s and 80s. And my white cell count was, was low, but not, not extremely at that point. And so I was followed by my oncologist. I changed doctors, changed health plans. Uh, and he followed me for a couple of years. He had a couple of di- running diagnoses. One was copper deficiency. One was just uh, idiopathic. I can't even remember the name of it, but there were several different, you know, just unexplained uh, low platelet counts, unexplained white cell counts, uh, tried different different ideas. And then finally, um, he said he wanted to try some steroids to, to pump my white cells, sort of stimulate them back into, into growth mode, if you would. And at that point, I, I was a little bit hesitant to just try something, especially steroids. So I, I did a little look or looking around and it just so happened that, um, at that point, my sister-in-law worked for Moffitt Cancer Center, invited me to come down and visit with the team down there, and that's when they did a bone marrow biopsy, and they made the diagnosis then. So that was in 2016, when my original 
my initial blood work was 2013. So you can see for about three years, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know quite frankly what it was and it wasn't causing me significant difficulty. I was still, I was running half marathons at the time. Um, so <clears throat> although I, I say that I, I would run and, and, and I would get to the point in a run where I just sort of stayed, um, I couldn't go any faster and I couldn't understand why I could never break this plateau. Um, and my doctor in Moffitt used to equate it to a car running on empty that it will run, but at, at, at some point it starts to, it starts to chug and run out of gas and you have to slow down and you have to kind of just go, uh, coast until you, you know, refill or refuel again. And my refueling was I'd coast a little bit on a run and then I'd gain a little bit of energy and I could, and I could run some more. So I never, I never understood that there was a problem until I went to Moffitt, had the bone marrow biopsy. They said, the reason that you're having these symptoms, the reason that you're not able to run like you are, uh, and, and because your white cells are so low, is because you have this thing called myelodysplastic syndrome, which of course, I had no idea, never heard of it before. <laughs> That's quite a mouthful myelodysplastic syndromes. Yes. Did you get any explanation when they pronounced that word to you as to what it really meant? I did. I remember my doctor, he, he brought out a, a pad and a pencil and he sat down and started drawing diagrams of bone marrow and of cells and explaining, beginning to explain to me the process of cellular division and, and why some marrow is... is why some marrow is good, why some, what, what causes uh, cells to be well, good and, and work well, and then what happens in my spe specific case, and he would draw and say, well, this part's not working, this part's not working, this part's not working, and therefore you're having these low white cell counts um, and platelets. And, and, and so at that point, they made the decision that um, I was going to be treated uh, because they were concerned about my low neutrophils, and I was um, hospitalized for four days with a ATG treatment at at Moffitt Cancer Center. My my version of MDS mimics, or at least mirrors, that of the symptoms of aplastic anemia. I have um, hypocellular bone marrow, so I don't have enough stuff in my bone marrow. And, and, and because of that, it looks, it looks like an aplastic anemia. And so they decided that, well, why don't we treat it with an aplastic anemia type of treatment, which is an ATG treatment, followed by a course of cyclosporine. And so I was hospitalized for four days, received the treatment for six months, took cyclosporine on the hope that my counts would recover. Uh, but unfortunately, that did not happen. So it was worth an effort, <laughs> but it was for naught in the end. That must have been frustrating for you to go through that rigorous treatment and not have anything out at the other end. Yeah, I, I, frustration, I think, was, was, was a good word because I think at this point now I, I, I've been hospitalized, I've had treatment, I have, an, I have a name to this thing that I have. And, of course, you begin to read and look at things on the internet, et cetera. And it, and it starts to get real and scary. And so uh, the fact that the treatment didn't work uh, frustrated myself, my family. Uh, we we're looking for what's next. But unfortunately, 
there was not a lot next other than a bone marrow transplant, which um, was not yet for me because I'm still too, um, I'm relatively, again, asymptomatic, even though my neutrophils are almost next to nothing. I'm not getting sick. I'm not getting infections. I'm not bleeding because of low platelets. So my doctor has determined that because I'm I'm relatively healthy, uh, the the risk of going for a transplant uh, was too great. So that frustration continued. I had one treatment; it didn't work. I have another potential curative treatment that um, could hopefully resolve this. It's not yet there for me. It's just out of my reach. And so I entered this watch and wait period of which I'm still in, and and that frustration continued. So it eventually it became to the it, it got to the point where I was perhaps a little bit depressed and, and anxious and my anxieties were going crazy. And I just decided at that point, I need to do something and change and, and um, change this that's happening inside me because I can't, I can't change my bone marrow yet. I can't change my blood, but I can change what, how I'm thinking about this disease. And at and that point um, happened about a year and a half ago. And, and fortunately, I'm still in that good place where I made that decision to change. So how did, how did you do that? Did you just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to change? Or did you reach out for some help? Did you involve your family? Did you do it by yourself? I, so it was a combination of family. I, I, I went to and, and sought out a, a therapist that, that I had uh, known and respected in the past, realizing that this was a little bit more than um, what I personally can handle on my own. I tried that. It didn't work. Uh, but with with the support of friends and family, we began to um, look at this <clears throat> sort of in little stages, right? So what could I immediately control? Well, I could immediately control my nutrition. So so I could I could build a plan around how I can change and and better my nutritional habits and the things that would that would help me and things that I need to avoid because I'm so severely neutropenic and understand all that. And then understand what I could do from a mental perspective. And that's where the therapist would come in and say, well, here's some tools, Brian, that you can use to help not, not get rid of this. I mean, I, 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 you know, as, as everyone with, with any type of disease knows, it doesn't flush out of your mind, but you can begin to, to address it in, in, in perhaps positive ways, such like mindfulness, for instance, is one and, and meditation and, and those type of things. I began to look toward so that I could help calm that anxiety and, and refocus my brain in a more positive way. And then finally, and this was uh, um, last year at this time, I, I knew I needed to take some other additional positive steps that not just sit back and, and watch and wait, but be a little bit more proactive. And that's when um, I decided to help others that have that are in a similar position and we set up the the local dc um, support group for mds and and that has helped me tremendously in in being able to just again be proactive be be engaging and and looking to others for both helping them but also looking uh, for support my own support from what they can give to me
Oh, absolutely. I, I, I know I gain more from the good people in our, in our support group than I, I'm certainly not an expert. I'm an expert at myself, but when I, when we go and we commune together, it's, it's, you know, I'm learning from them. I'm watching the emotions. I'm understanding well, how they're coping really and how they're understanding, how they're understanding their disease and, through and your ways that they're of reaching out. To others, and, and it just, it just makes me grow. And I am, I am such a different person today from that ability for me to reach out and join with others that, that, so that have this disease continue um, on and their caregivers. And, and interim it's, period like where I said, it's, it's just helped me immensely. Is that what you're saying? And I, I wouldn't change it for the world. And, you know, maybe the first step for me was I didn't immediately jump out to a support group. I know initially I looked out to the AAMDS International Foundation, the MDS Foundation and others to gain a little bit of information. Then I went on the web and I did a little research and I joined a couple of forums and I, sort of a stair-step approach until finally I felt comfortable enough to engage others where I felt confident that maybe I had something to contribute, but in the end, that really wasn't the issue. It was more, I didn't recognize how much value I was going to get from just meeting and talking and engaging with others. It was less about me giving and more about me receiving from that experience. So I, I highly encourage anybody, if there's a group in your area to to do that and, or just reach out on the internet and, and, and find others in some type of forum type uh, situation. <laughs> yeah. I hear in your voice the amount of satisfaction that you get from participating in this and how personally rewarding it is for you. So it's it's apparent to me. I, I can't I see you. I've is, never is met you, but it's a, and, clearly but apparent in your I, voice I'm, I'm how much value if, if I talked to you sharing two with years ago, other uh, patients um, that like would have been the most frustrating thing, been thing to for you me, as you continue your so journey. There's so much variation, so much unknown about So do you have next steps in that, mind? Are you waiting um, for a certain I am, marker I am still active until and you and working and I want a solution now and I wanted the transplant now and I wanted those things now. And now Any I can sit idea back and say, well, you know what? How long you really you're going to be in watching wait? Or are they just saying um, this is at least in such my a case, rare disease? What the prognosis looks like? I could. We can't tell uh, you. At, I'm still uh, relatively young for this disease. I'm 54. I could way. have this intermediate. I could be in this intermediate state for months, years, decades. We really don't know. So because I we don't know, I'm comfortable with that at this point. I do know what I'm looking for. I do know the markers from a from a blood perspective, uh, maybe some additional genetics that were chromosomal changes that may happen. Uh, but I'm I'm no longer worried about that. I know when that when that happens or if that happens, we do have a plan. We have a plan for stem cell transplant. Uh, I do. I'm I'm one of the fortunate ones that has 105. <laughs> 
uh, matches in the world someplace. Of those 105, I'm sure one of them will, you know, perhaps donate for me. So I'm very comfortable and very unique. And I think that's, that's I look again at that support group. We're all unique and all, all different experiences. Mine, I know, is different from, from those that you, you speak with. But uh, I'm comfortable with, my, with where my future is now. Uh, and, and so those steps are, that's one of the steps. But to get there, I'm going to put that aside for now because I know that's, that's something there. And I'm going to continue to work on those things that will help me just in the, in the immediate future. Continue with my work, continue with my family, continue you know, getting back and, and be as healthy as I can should that transplant be necessary uh, and avoid, you know, avoid getting sick, I guess. <laughs> Which, you know, it's with low neutrophil count, it's obviously a concern. What advice? Um, I, 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 so I'll start with what I did, which is not to do. I chose not to engage. I chose not to even research. I chose not to think about it. I, it was, I was an ostrich with my head in the sand. Um, and and uh, at one point, an angry one at that. I think what what is positive Sounds about great. this disease so is that there, there are so many different variations, so many different treatment options, so many different people who have uh, just ways been to approach this. With that one if of you the just many reach out, not just to your medical team, but you know, to, to someone at AMBS or MBS Foundation or a mentor, find someone who, who has this disease and just sit down and spend five minutes talking to them or <laughs> 10 minutes. I I've noticed there were several people that, that contact me, for instance, that um, it always sort of starts the same. Brian, I was just recently diagnosed or my husband was just recently diagnosed. I didn't know. know I, I didn't want to call you. I didn't want to talk to you. I didn't know what to do, but somehow I got enough courage to do so. And within a few minutes of just speaking with me or speaking with some of my friends that, that also have it in our group, at the end of the conversation, they are much more relaxed, more um, not excited about uh, that's not the right word, but more content and understanding that this isn't this isn't as bad as perhaps when you're when you heard in the doctor's office. Uh, uh, it, it's it, it's not as stark and difficult, perhaps, as is you've heard if you talk to someone and just just engage. I, I guess that's the that's the biggest thing. Just go out. Don't don't live with this on your own. Um, reach out and and there's help and there's folks that will that will be, that would love to just tell you their side and and you'll learn something. I guarantee. Well, thank you very much for having me, and I, uh, it's been a pleasure and in, in more ways than one. Thank you.
that is a great note to end on, to reach out, to be there for others, and to ask others to be there for you, to listen and to ask of your peers. That's wonderful. Thank you very much, Brian, for all the insight that you've given us today. And I want to thank all the listeners today as well. Remember that you can find AAMDSIF on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also find us at the website, which is easy. It's aamds.org. You can go to Marrow Forums as well. You can find peer counselors through the website on any of the patient information pages. Thank you for being with us, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.